Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Rochelle. This podcast started as a space to use my voice, to share my journey of healing, and it's turned into so much more. It's a space about all things emotional, because for me, learning to self-regulate and accept what I was feeling was game-changing. Together, we learn the tools to self-regulate. We talk spirituality, holistic healing, and modalities such as human design and astrology to help you radically trust, love, and accept yourself. I have some amazing guests on here that share their story and share their tools. And this is really just a space to support you in healing mind, body, and soul. So I thank you so much for tuning in and putting yourself first. I appreciate every single one of you. Welcome back to another episode of the Emotional Mastery Podcast. This week, my guest is Krishma Daswani, who I actually went to high school with, and I was kind of randomly on LinkedIn, and I saw a company called Inward, and her name was attached to it. So I reached out as, of course, I'm always about emotions, mental health, physical health, all the things, and she agreed to come on the podcast and have a conversation with me. Um, it was a beautiful conversation about, you know, how she, how her, her healing her emotions began her journey, um, to, to heal her mental health. And I think with so many, it's an ongoing process of our mental health. And, you know, when we struggle with depression or anxiety, it's really knowing these tools that allows us to come back to ourselves and to continually process them and work through them. And having a community of people that really support you, that understand, that listen. Because let's be honest, so often when we are trapped in our emotions, when we are trapped in our grief, in our sorrow, in our pain, in whatever emotion that we feel, we feel like we're doing it alone. We feel like we are the only ones experiencing that. Of course, on a mental level, we know that that's not true. We know that we are not the only ones. But at the end of the day, we are the only ones in our mind, right? We are the only ones that we know are currently experiencing this. And so our emotions can just be so, so overwhelming. So it's just so helpful to know that you are not alone. And I love what she is doing with Inward. And we talk about that within this podcast episode. And for me, I resonate so much because, you know, for me, this podcast is my space to let somebody know that they're not alone, to give somebody the tools and hopefully the inspiration maybe to start their journey, to start moving forward, to start healing, to start meditating, to start moving, to start eating right, whatever whatever resonates, right, with a guest or a solo um, that really just helps you kind of come back to yourself and just remember, right? Remember who you are. Remember, you know, that we're all worthy and all the things. And, you know, I can sit here and say that, you know, on a mental level, I tell myself these things all day, right? Like, I am worthy. I'm worthy of abundance. I'm worthy of love. I am worthy of all the things. But sometimes, you know, I'm an emotional authority, emotional being. So I ride this wave of emotions constantly, day in and day out. And sometimes it feels like, you know, we go through those those lows where it's just, we can be the victim. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And we can really get lost in that. And it's just really empowering to remember that we actually control that, right? Through whatever tools it is, whether it's microdosing, whether it's fitness, there is something that will help you slowly because it's not going to be an overnight thing, but will help you kind of pull yourself out of, out of these Um, you know, the emotional trauma and the emotions and the intensity of diagnosis and all these things, right? And so, yeah, this was just a really, really great conversation about kind of all about that, about mental health, about emotions. Um, We talk about psychedelic experiences and how that can heal trauma, um, diagnoses like anxiety, ADHD, and we really dive into her human design as well. So she is a projector, with undefined emotions. And I always love to have these conversations because as somebody who is undefined, you will really kind of pull in and amplify the emotions of others. And it's really hard to distinguish between what is your emotions and what is somebody else's emotions. And as we were talking about it, Krishma really recognized that a lot of what she feels are not hers, but she so beautifully said that when she is around others and she feels the intensity of them of those emotions, it actually helps her process and brings up the emotions within herself that need to be seen. And of course, you know, we get to that in this, in this conversation, but I just thought it was an absolutely beautiful way, a beautiful perspective on emotions. And it was just like so helpful in, you know, because 
I am an emotional authority. So my emotions are defined. I'm constantly projecting out emotions. I do have feeling cognition, which is the deeper layer of human design. But on top of the emotions that I do feel consistently, you know, I am tapping into the energy around me. So then it's kind of like this double thing where I do then feel it intensely from others as well. Whereas traditionally, emotional authorities don't necessarily aren't necessarily influenced by the emotions of others, which is also why it's really important to learn tools to regulate our emotions. Because when we are walking around, we are projecting outwards, our emotions are projecting outwards and affecting others. And so just yeah, this this my personal journey has been so powerful in learning the tools to self regulate learning that I'm not alone, Um, whether it's affirmations and just constantly reminding myself like, whatever, I had a friend call me last night, and they were just like, Oh, my gosh, I don't know what is happening. I'm just feeling like so low and everything's going wrong today. And first of all, it was August first, which was the Mars Uranus conjunction. So I was like, Hey, listen, (laughs) this is a collective thing. First of all, but second of all, I've just really learned through the years of my healing journey that we can't control what we can't control, right? We can only do right now what we can control, what we can change, what we can actually do something about. And so I've really learned to let things go. So whether it's like financial things, and not to say don't pay your bills, but just in the sense of like, if you can't do anything about it right now, what can you do to let yourself up? right? Can you get creative? How can you not stress about something that hasn't happened yet, something you can't control right now? Because it is not worth making yourself sick over something you cannot right now in this moment do anything about. If you can do something in this moment about it, absolutely go ahead and do it. But and it's, you know, it's easier said than done. And it takes practice. And I'm so fully aware that, you know, none of these things are an overnight solution. All of these things take intention. They take consistency. They take continuing to show up for yourself and doing the things and doing the work, whether it's meditation or journaling or movement or being parts of spiritual groups, um, you know, whatever it is that that works for you, it is just so important to, to do those things, right? And again, it's not always the easy thing to do. And I often think that when we're healing and when we're in this process, it almost becomes more difficult. And I think I talked about last week or the week before, but sometimes we just try to heal so hard that we're resisting ourselves. And so, but surrendering is something that we're not really taught to do, right? That That's a process that that comes from, I believe sometimes we just have to hit this rock bottom where it's just like, we're constantly thrown shit that we just cannot we feel like we can't pull ourselves out from. And then it comes to this point where we just have to throw our hands up and just be like, whatever's supposed to happen right now is supposed to happen. And it's a painful and it's a scary and it's also a beautiful place to be in. So yeah, I think it as I'm like navigating so much right now, whether it's emotions or business or, you know, Uh, bridge jobs and all these things, relationships, I'm really learning and I'm learning to be present within it. I have Saturn in my fifth house. So fifth house is creativity, fun, dating, children. And I've always just, you know, for me, emotions, relationships, these are big lessons in my life. And I've really never enjoyed dating. I've never really enjoyed the whole, I've just always felt so much anxiety around like meeting somebody that you don't know and having to get to know them. And then sometimes it's just like, I have to do this all over again with somebody new. But recently in like the last, you know, six months or so, I've been like actively dating more. And not only is it like great pra- practice for well dating, but it's also great practice just for like conversation, asking questions, for, even for the podcast, right? And, and maybe vice versa, the podcast has been help in that because now I have the tools to like ask better questions and get to know somebody. But also I think because of my healing, because of the things I'm working on and I have hindsight on, I am so aware of red flags right now. Um, but it's just been like, it's been so fun in in the conversations, in like meeting new people, seeing what's healthy. And I think I didn't expect I didn't expect to have fun in it anyway. And <laughs> I've been, you know, for I think three years now, like dating, quote unquote, dating, but not really dating. But yeah, I think seeing that being shown that there are p- healthy people out there um, it's really made me aware of my patterns. So, you know, when I am emotionally activated, my nervous system is activated, or when things 
feel like they're getting intense quickly and I back off, right? I can have the awareness of like, okay, well, this is happening because my previous pattern is that when things get intense or when I spend a lot of time with somebody or have a lot of conversation with somebody, it tends to turn into flip into this controlling, no freedom, no life, like suffocation thing. And so being aware of that and also being able to communicate that. Um, I've worked on communication for a while. I have been I've dated people where my communication was absolutely terrible and I've dated people where I'm like over the top in communication. So I'm just finding that like balance of what works. But either way, like this is definitely part of the healing process too. And I'm just enjoying it. I'm having fun in it. Um, Yeah, I think practice makes perfect and I don't think I'll ever be perfect at it, but (laughs) there will always be some weirdness and awkwardness if you allow it, right? Yeah. But yeah, and I think also like showing up as myself because before I like didn't want to tell people about the podcast. I didn't want to talk about my spirituality, but now being able to show up fully as myself and just be like, you know what? Like this is this is a great way to like weed people out too because if people are not here for a spiritual podcasting host who's into human design and astrology, we're probably going to get deep into that. Um, but it's actually been really interesting the amount of people like do completely share their birth time and and are absolutely open to it with no hesitations. It's been, uh, again, yeah, it's been really fun. So that's just been a little kind of like what's been on my mind lately and being able to finally, I think, actually enjoy the process of it because of all these things. Be, being able to, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like practicing or strengthening that trust muscle in myself too, right? Where I see a red flag and in the past, maybe just because somebody was giving me attention, I would have like stuck with it and we would have like kept dating and kept seeing each other. I want to turn into a, and then it would have turned into a relationship that I didn't want to actually be in. So yeah, it's like really seeing those red flags early on now and having those conversations early on now. Um, yeah, it's been kind of, it's, it's been a lot more fun than I expected it to be because yeah, for two years or so, I was not, um, yeah, it was not fun. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, but it was, it was, yeah, I didn't explore and do all the things that I am currently now doing, which has been a lot of fun too. So that being said, um, coaching sessions are open. Uh, you can reach out for the month of August and all that information is down in the show notes. The Patreon is open. If you are looking for a way to support the podcast beyond listening to the podcast, and of course I appreciate every single person that listens to this podcast, information for the Patreon is down below. It's just bonus episodes, early release episodes. Uh, you get When you sign up for a certain tier, you're going to get human design astrology reading. That'll come in like a video. So all that. And of course, it's going to be expanding. I want to have guests in there. I want to have all sorts of stuff going on in that space, the Patreon. So again, information for that is down below in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you guys. So please, please share with a friend if it resonates. That's also how the podcast gets out to more ears and I can bring on more guests that you want to hear, more topics that you want to hear. And yeah, share on Instagram. Let me know what you thought. Make sure to tag me, tag the guest. And yeah, every single thing is down in the show notes. So tag me, tag Krishma, let us know. Um, Yeah, let us know what you took from this episode. So enjoy and I will speak to you next week. Welcome to the Emotional Mastery Podcast. This week I have Krishma Daswani. Um, we actually went to high school together in Dubai, which is how we how we originally met. And I was kind of just, I don't really get on LinkedIn that much. And I just randomly went on LinkedIn and I saw um, your company inward and I just reached out to you via Instagram and we just kind of connected and invited you to come onto the podcast because just everything mental health and wellness and emotional healing is, you know, I'm so passionate about it. And I just, you know, wanted to invite you here to share your story and connect on that. So if you would like to share your story just as much or as little as you would like about, you know, your life, your story, kind of things that happened that got you here where you are today. I'm not sure where to start, but maybe I'll start from the beginning. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I grew up in Nigeria before I moved to Dubai where we met until I was in Nigeria till I was 11 and then Dubai for middle school, beginning of high school. And then I moved to Canada where I finished school. And then I bounced around a lot, university in Canada, in um, in the UK, later in Madrid. And so I studied health and I did my bachelor degree in uh, health as well as psychology, my master's in public health. And um, 
I eventually ended up in Berlin where I started a health food company. And during this time is when sort of my personal mental health journey started. Um, so I, it started for me or the awareness of it, let's say, started for me very much through my physical health. So I started having problems with my bladder and I kept, so I kept going to the doctor, like I kept having like symptoms of a UTI, but much worse. And I didn't know what could have triggered it because I'm always very careful about this. And, you know, they kept prescribing me antibiotics, kept going back, like nothing is being solved. Finally went to a specialist and she told me that, um, you know, I don't have any bacteria in my bladder and that, um, I haven't been um, diagnosed properly and they'd have to do a surgery for this. So they did a diagnostic surgery um, and then they found that I had um, tumors in my bladder and they, so they did the same treatment that they do always for early stage um, cancer, uh, which is basically they remove everything. And um, I was doing much better afterwards, but I still had symptoms and like, it was better and I had flare-ups, but I still had very similar symptoms and they didn't know why and they didn't know what it was caused by. And I couldn't just leave it there. I had to figure it out and I had to solve it. And so I explored everything, you know, I, cause I'd already done like the medicine route. I decided to then try like, you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, like everything went to a naturopath. And, um, Finally, what I realized was I remember listening to a lecture on how um, um, how emotional suppression could manifest physically, and the the it was a Harvard professor talking about this, and he was describing um, what he called an emotional stuffer, and I was listening to him, and I was like, oh wow he is describing me. <laughs> this is exactly what I do. And I didn't realize I was doing it. And so this is sort of where it began because, you know, he talked about how this could lead to cancer. And I was like, definitely, definitely, this is something I need to work on. And this is like where my problems are stemming from. And so, you know, I had always been very like into health physically, but I hadn't really considered my mental health enough. I always thought, oh, you know, this is, you know, even, even learning about depression, it was like, oh, okay, this happens, this happens. But I never thought about, is this how I feel? You know, cause I had depressed my feelings so much. And it was interesting because on this journey, I realized I was depressed and I had been depressed for a long time and I didn't even know it because it was kind of my baseline, you know? Um, so I did everything from, uh, so I did therapy, I did uh, somatic experiencing, which was, which was a good experience for me. Also, that started off as talk, talk therapy because I wasn't anywhere near doing any body work. Um, and I did, I did a lot of, a lot of, basically a lot of therapeutic things. And I, I feel this is like a few years in the making. And this is what sort of made me decide to leave my company and start inward because I realized how important mental health is and how, you know, if you can help one person deal with, you know, their emotional wellness, their mental wellness, then, you know, you're, you're helping how they sort of interact with other people, how they raise their children, you know, and all of this has sort of an exponential effect. So this is where I was drawn to, sort of a purpose-driven project. Yeah. Isn't it interesting just like that disconnect between, you know, like you talk about like depression and for me, I, I struggled with anxiety for a long time, but you see like these symptoms, symptoms of anxiety that are like standard or described by the medical field of doctors or whatever. But then there's like this whole host of like symptoms that you don't even realize are anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether it's like getting dizzy or like heart palpitations, you know, like all these kind of all these different things that don't necessarily fit that, that, you know, theme of whether it's depression or anxiety, you know? And then as you kind of like learn more, I just remember reading something that listed all these symptoms of anxiety that had nothing to do with like physical, you know, or like, it was just, it blew my mind. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I do like every single one of those, you know, like describes me. So what, so you said that you are, so you were, got your bachelor's in health. Like what sort of health uh, does that, mm -hmm. like, I know you said psychology, but yeah, so it was a very, my minor was in psychology, my, mass, mm -hmm. uh, my major was in health, so it was a very interdisciplinary program, mm -hmm. so it was kind of, it was everything from 
uh, epidemiology, anatomy, physiology, nutrition, okay. all, all the sciences, mm-hmm. um, as well as the social sciences. So, yeah, health psychology, um, program planning, policy, you know, so mm-hmm. a little uh, like across the board, you know, so included some of the public health stuff um, as well as the the sciences. But I've always been very into science myself. So this mm-hmm. is where I read a lot just in my free time. Yeah. And then when I studied public health, it was um, very epidemiology focused. So chronic health epidemiology and uh, infectious disease epidemiology. Okay. And so like, as you were going through your journey of, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong with you and going through this very like scientific lens of like health, I mean, like when did the holistic part of that come in kind of when you felt like you had no other options and like you explored that? Cause like I, I've studied holistic health, like that's kind of and I'm, I'm so fascinated now I'm studying Ayurveda and it's really interesting because it is so like anatomy, like it's, it's so much to it. Like I'm taking a subtle body of anatomy course and I'm just like, whoa, this is like really, <laughs> it's really like science heavy. Right. Um, so it's really interesting, but, um, but yeah, so I always think I viewed, and like you said, I think, I think a lot of times we think if we eat right, if we move our body, like that, our mental health will just like follow, like we don't really consider that in our overall mm-hmm. health and wellness. And yeah, like emotions just get trapped and stored um, in our body. Like I suffered from heart palpitations for the longest time, like really badly. Like I thought I was dying because my heart was just like, and I, you know, in hindsight, it was the relationships I was in the ways I was not expressing myself. So as I kind of healed that it's gotten so much better, but yeah. So when was the, when did that holistic healing kind of come into play with that? Yeah. So I I think I was actually quite lucky with, with the program I was in, it was very holistic Mm -hmm. um, because though though there was um, a scientific angle. Um, I I still feel that like with epidemiology and everything, um, it was a bit more like you you saw a bit, I don't know how to explain it. There was still a holistic perspective because for example, with epidemiology, you, you know, the studies showed how say cigarette smoking is bad for your health much before, you know, the biological processes um, showed that. So you could already see the trends from, for example, physical, uh, physical activity being, you know, good for you versus, you know, uh, knowing how it works. Um, but I was, I was quite lucky as well because like, you know, now thinking back at the programs that, or the classes that I took, I remember I took a class on drugs Um one on pharmacology, but one on drug and behavioral behavioral problems. And I remember now they talked about, you know, different types. It was all illicit drugs. And I remember them talking about psychedelics. And it was very interesting because, you know, now all of the research tells you, you know, if you're taking psychedelics, you know, your set setting, like the five S's is very important. And I remember learning all of this. And this is like 2005, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> how helpful would that be for a lot of people today if they knew this already, you know, so it was already with that broad perspective. And I think also, you know, we talked a lot about harm reduction because again, public health angle, right? So uh, again, with drugs, you know, uh, Vancouver was, you know, the first place where they had the safe injection sites. And so it was, you know, it was sort of this perspective where, you know, let's take the harm reduction strategy, you know, let's look at the overall picture rather than just the conservative, only scientific mindset. So yeah, I, 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 I was always very much into natural, um, uh, like having the natural holistic perspective as well. Mm-hmm. And so actually what I did before starting the food company was also some um, consulting to do with uh, nutrition and with companies um, and individuals as well. And that's when I started the food company because it was all from this like healthy sort of uh, functional food perspective. Mm-hmm. I love that. You mentioned the five, five S's is that what you said for psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. What are those? So, okay. So I remember the set, the setting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, let me, let me check really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think it's really interesting. So I, when this episode comes out, I will have talked about it. Um, but I started microdosing yeah. psilocybin and I was like yeah. terrified of it at first. And then the more I read about it and I'm just like, I'm really doing so much research, like as I go on this journey and as I'm yeah. like supporting myself in so many, like, you know, with like energy healings and like just all sorts of like, um, you know, uh, meditations to rewire my neural pathways and things like that. And so I just find it, of course, that just like piqued my interest. Cause I'm like, Ooh, you know, cause I think it is like something that's not 
as much mm-hmm. talked about. And I think it's really gaining traction here though. That's being talked about a lot more because I think the, um, the benefits of it are coming out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember the five S's, but I'll tell okay. you, I'll explain <laughs> to you a little bit about <laughs> what it's all about. Basically mm-hmm. how, um, drugs in this case, psychedelic drugs, mm-hmm. um, how the experience that you have is not just about the dosage, right? It's not just how much you're taking. It's the environment you're in plays a mm-hmm. big role. The mindset that you're in plays a big role, like a lot of different things. And it's sort of, um, explaining this to you. And so you know how to control for these variables that you have, you know, not a good experience, but so that you have a beneficial experience, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, microdosing is great. I, I've tried it um, as well. I, I I was doing it actually. So the first time I did it was just to sort of f- figure out what it was all about, gain some clarity. And then I did it because my osteopath suggested I do it to help with uh, sort of healing physical trauma. Mm-hmm. like a emotional mm-hmm. trauma that is in my body, yeah. let's say physically. And I really feel like it helped me. Mm-hmm. It helped ground me a lot because I have this problem where I very easily dissociate. Mm-hmm. I very easily am outside my body. It's hard for me to like feel like I'm in my body. And this helped me with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I've noticed since I started doing it, I think I'm on like week five or six now. Um, and I tend to do like two rounds of it at least, you know, just to like kind of start there. Um, but yeah, I've noticed this ability to, because I do feel when I get anxious, I do feel very disassociated. Like I'm kind of like mm-hmm. outside of myself and I feel very confused. Um, but I've noticed I, that did happen once within the time that I've been doing this, but I've, it's kind of grounded me in myself in a way that I hadn't felt before, or it just kind of allows me to see things from a different a higher perspective. Right. So it's like, I'll be like, I'll feel my emotions very intensely. And I always have, but this, I feel like allows me to cycle through it so much faster. So it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. I'll feel it, allow myself to feel it fully and then allow myself to process it as opposed to just like sitting in there and playing the victim and being like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, and just kind of like swimming that. So yeah, I love, how did you feel like emotionally? So it definitely helped you with that aspect. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, okay. So first on the anxiety part, Mm -hmm. because I also have anxiety, anxiety, depression, ADHD, which was only recently diagnosed Mm -hmm. and uh, which I'm very glad it was diagnosed because I feel like it helped me understand myself better Mm -hmm. without judging myself. Um, But yeah, the anxiety, I had an experience where I a microdose, but it was more than a microdose slightly. Mm-hmm. So I felt it. Um, but it was very interesting because I felt it, but I was still not like a full dose. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the first time I was able to recognize my anxiety. So, so easily. Like I remember, um, I remember thinking I wanted to sit down. I was, cause I was walking outside. It was in, in nature. And I remember saying, thinking I wanted to sit down and I just sat down on the dirt. And normally I would not do that. I was in a dress and normally I would think like, oh, it's really dirty. I'm going to get my dress dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just didn't care. Um, and so I, I remember like being able to, like you said, watch your thoughts. And I was just watching this happen in my head. Like I was watching all these thoughts, like, you know, are you sure you want to sit there? Like, are you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I remember I was wearing flip-flops it was in the summer and um, there was like a path that was like really, um, there's a lot of debris and normally I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go on a path like that because I've, I've fallen before and I have a, I have actually three um, compressed discs here, mm-hmm. one herniated um, from a fall from hiking. And so I have this fear, right? And so normally I would, think okay you're not wearing the right shoes like don't go like and and these thoughts were happening in my head and I just remember okay it froze for a second I think we're back hi I don't know <laughs> I what happened yeah it like gone. froze <laughs> okay um it's okay I was telling you about how my thoughts okay mm-hmm. so I was watching all these thoughts happen and I remember not feeling the anxiety but recognizing that I normally feel the anxiety in the situation. And this time I actually wasn't feeling it. Mm. And it was so interesting because it was the first time I could actually differentiate this. And it was new to me to 
recognize, okay, these are all the risks and these are all the hazards, but it doesn't matter. Mm. And I really feel that it doesn't matter. And that was so interesting, yeah. you know? And do you feel like that really changed? Yeah. Do you feel like that really changed your anxiety in general, like moving forward? Yes. I think it takes work to hold on to the feeling Mm because it's a feeling that I have to hold on to. Mm -hmm. But I like definitely it was very easy to do. Let's say the weeks following it was, you know, in general, not even about the anxiety, but my thoughts just, you know, stopped. I remember sitting on the tram, like going to work and realizing I just wasn't thinking anything (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of interesting, you know, but yeah, it's a feeling that I try to pull back whenever I'm feeling a little bit anxious and it helps me a lot to, Mm -hmm. you know, go back to that. Yeah. That's really powerful because I think it does take those experiences where we actually experience something we would normally be anxious in, not in a space of anxiety, right? Like that's, I think what rewires our brain. And so I think that's like, for me, yeah, that's what I'm finding is being able to because I don't know, like with drugs, I've always like, I've done some in college, but I always, you know, and I, well, I think like specifically with any sort of, I mean, any drug really, but like psychedelics specifically, I think like we tend to have maybe done them at a party when we're younger and there's so much stimulation, right? Like Mm. when I was in Spain, I'd go to raves, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you're doing Mm. like psychedelics and going to a rave, like there's so much information coming at you. And I think that's what creates what we call like a bad trip, right? Because we're just not in a space. We're not intentional about it. We're just like, we can't control, not that I don't think we can control psychedelics. I think like for me, that's part of it's, it's allowing me to let go of control, but Mm -hmm. like you said, in that set and setting, right? Like I am being very intentional about it. It's their low dosages, obviously Um, with microdosing. I do have like an actual dose, but I have, I'm sitting on it. I haven't done it yet. (laughs) I'm still Mm -hmm. kind of like nervous for it. Um, But yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, that intention and, and what I'm actually trying to do with it and like taking it through meditation and just like sitting with myself as opposed to just being like, I'm going to take this to them out and go party and like be fun with everyone. You know, yeah. I think there's, there's very different. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a tool just like so many other tools that can mm-hmm. be used for good or not, you know, yeah. you can choose how to use it. So. Yeah, exactly. It is yeah. what you make it, but you had yeah. mentioned, I have your chart in front of me too. And so you had mentioned yeah. ADHD and I just like, it's, it's so interesting when I look at, so for human design, um, I know we're kind of like shifting gears here, but yeah. um, there's a specific gate in human design and I have the same one. And with, so um just for anybody listening, or if you're not like totally familiar, when you look at your human design chart, you have like what they call gates, which is like, you'll see a number. And then the other side of that gate will be another number. And if the whole thing is defined, that's a channel. So if you only have one side of that channel, um, you have one piece of that energy, but not the other piece. And so Mm -hmm. you have gate nine, which goes from the sacral and the energy chakra sacral to the, to the root center. So gate nine is the gate of focus. And without having the other side of that, it can really present, um, because you have this very not unfocused, but you're not able to sit, to sit still and focus for a long time because you don't have the, the opposite energy. So it's something you're kind of like always seeking. And so for me, I have that same, I have gate nine, but I don't have the other side of it. So for me, when I was like working in corporate, like literally sitting in a desk for eight hours was so painful. I like could yeah. not find a way, like I would have to go to the kitchen and drink coffee just to like get away from my desk. And then that didn't help because now I'm all like hyped up on coffee and like kind of going back and forth. But that just kind of like triggered that in me that, and Cause I was literally thinking, I wonder if she has gate nine and you do, you have gate nine <laughs> and it's just, but it's just funny how not to like minimize the ADHD, but it's funny how these things kind of relate to it just from an energetic standpoint. Right. And like from, from a chakra system standpoint, mm-hmm. I always just find it fascinating how it really does like align and there is mechanics to it, you know, and there's mm-hmm. people that may be more prone to it than others. I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I do find especially like in college and high school, like I wasn't a great student and I just never one. I feel like I wasn't really lit up by what I was doing and like science and math now as an adult, like now that I'm in my thirties, like I find science, especially um, like science combines like that, that line between science and like spirituality, I find like fascinating. So I like read so much about it. Um, But yeah, I was just never like math and science. Those things were like not my thing. Um, But I don't know. That was complete tangent. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, (laughs) <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but with, with ADHD, I mean, one of the things is that like, you can't sit down unless it's something you're really mm. interested in. Right. Yeah. Cause then you can go down a tunnel and then you're, you're there for hours. You don't even mm-hmm. realize. Oh yeah. There's like no middle ground basically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially what like that gate is really like, you know, describing and talking Interesting. about. Yeah. Interesting. So do you want to, what do you know, like 
as I know you have gotten a human design, did you have a reading or you just discovered human design like a year ago? Is that what it was? Yeah, I just discovered a year ago. I didn't have a proper reading. I just had mm-hmm. a friend tell me about it and she told me that I was a projector and mm-hmm. a little bit about that, but I don't remember much. Okay. So yeah, so you are a projector, you're four, six, which is your profile. So human design, um, basically the, the things to focus on in the beginning are really just your, your strategy type and authority. And so this really just means like your type, your energy type, it's just the way that your energy works with the world around you. Um, and then you have your strategy and authority. And this is just kind of like ways that you can make aligned decisions, honoring your energy and how, and how you, yeah, how your energy interacts with everything around you. And so as a projector, um, you know, if you know, if any in listening, like familiar with the chakra system, you know, that's a big piece of, of human design. So our sacral chakra is going to be that like workforce energy, life force energy, sexuality as well. And so you don't have that defined, meaning like you don't create sacral energy from within you. You are here to take in and amplify from others. But Mm -hmm. the trick is to not absorb that and not make that your own. And I think the beauty and the wisdom comes from experiencing it, but letting it go. So projectors tend to need more rest because you are not, you're not constantly creating that. Like generators, I'm a manifesting generator. So like when you're theoretically, right, like when you're within my energy, you'll be able to pick that up. And, you know, 70% of the world are generators. So you're constantly within that energy. But like when you likely, when you get home, you'll probably want to nap or you'll feel tired. Um, That's just something that you may, you need to like rest and like, kind of like let go of all of that energy. So that's a projector too. You're here to like, wait for the invitation. And I think a lot of projectors really get hung up on that because it's not like, it's not like you need to sit around and wait for somebody to be like, Oh, Hey, come do this. Or, okay. You know, it's not necessarily dependent on another person. I think there's ways that you can find out what that means for you, right? Like whether it's asking leading questions to get that invitation. Um, and also, you know, let's say like within relationships, when you have the invitation once, you don't need to always get it right. Like you've, you've been invited in sort of, um, because you're, what they call not self theme when you're misaligned is bitterness. So I don't know if that resonates with you feeling bitter or like resentful um, because it's like, you want to be recognized because projectors are all about other people, right? So like typically projectors want to know about the other and that's how they operate mm-hmm. best, right? When you're yeah. getting to know somebody else, then you're able to see yourself reflected in that, but it's more, yeah. you know, like a lot of people come to do to human design and they want to know all about themselves, right? Like, tell me about me. Tell me about me. As a projector. You're probably more interested about like the people around you right? Like your family, your, your, your fiance or people that you interact with on a daily basis, because in that way you can kind of see yourself. So projectors are really special in that way because you are here to lead. Like you are here to be able to see people and the qualities that they can give you and just be like, um, you know, um, like if you think like a project manager, right? Like a projector will be able to see and be like, oh, you'd be really useful here. Or you can do this really well, really good at like delegating. Um, and then, uh, And then, so for you, your authority, which is the way that you are meant to make decisions is splenic. And so this is still one that like, I'm kind of, it's harder for me to grasp because I have this defined, um, but because I have so much other definition in there, like I don't feel it as much as I do some of the other things, but splenics, the splenic, the spleen is all about immunity. It's about survival fear. And so when it speaks to you, it's very in the moment and it like doesn't repeat itself. So it's like you being healthy will allow you to tap easier into your splenic response. So does any of that resonate? I do remember um, hearing this and I had to sort of listen to my first instinct like mm-hmm. that's what the splenic was mm-hmm. and I remember finding that very difficult because yeah. I can't even or at least for a long time couldn't even listen to like my emotions that were shouting at me or even mm-hmm. physical feelings that were shouting at me so I was like okay I must be so far away from this <laughs> which yeah. then makes sense like the resentment and the bitterness mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well and for you like because emotions yes we all have emotions but you're undefined emotionally so like I'm defined emotionally. I ride this wave of emotions. I'm always up and down. Whereas for you, you're more like taking in and amplifying the emotions of others. So it's mm-hmm. kind of easy. That. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would be kind of easy for you. I think, and I think this is where human design like is so helpful because knowing that like it empowers you to know that that's not necessarily yours, right? Like you're taking in and amplifying the emotions of those around you. And so it can be really loud, right? Because it is not coming from within you. And it's not to say that you're 
what you're feeling is, is invalid or wrong or anything. Um, but you're more likely to be triggered emotionally when somebody around you is triggered emotionally. Mm -hmm. That's kind of when you're going to cycle through your emotions. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. on your timeline, if that makes sense. Yeah. Actually, it's so interesting what you said earlier, like this and what you said earlier about how, um, you know, we're interested in other people mm-hmm. and like learning about others. And that's very much like actually what I like doing. I like talking to people and mm-hmm. learning about them. And I very much, like you said, I feel everyone's emotions so strongly, like yeah. so strongly. Um, but as you also said, I realized it helps me process my own mm. because when I hear other people and I feel, I guess their emotions, I feel like it helps me, it brings up the emotion in me and I feel like it helps me process that part of myself that has felt that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then helps me let go of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. What have you felt like from when you first learned human design or like what you did learn about it? Do you feel like that has shifted anything or like given you any sort of, or was it kind of just like you learned about it? It it was cool. And then kind of like moved on. So I didn't learn too much about it, but what what helped me was, you know, when I learned about projectors not having their own energy, and I always had very low energy, right? My ADHD is inattentive type. It's not hyperactive. My hyperactivity is like playing with stuff and fiddling, Mm -hmm. Um, but my energy has always been so, so, so low, and I always wondered why. And yeah, maybe it was depression, but it's really low, you know, and it's always been like that. And I always felt bad about it. You know, I always felt like, why can't I, you know, I can't sit down and work for so long. Why can't I, well, I don't have energy to do anything. You know, I just like, I feel so tired all the time. And when I learned about that, it sort of helped me, you know, because I was like, okay, there's maybe one reason why, because <laughs> I can't, can't explain it with anything else, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think for you, it's really important to, um, you know, like, yeah, projectors are not here to work in the traditional sense. They're not here to work that nine to five. It's kind of really honoring your energy and how you feel and being productive when it feels good for you and kind of allowing yourself to rest. And granted, we live in a generator world, right? Like we live in a very Mm -hmm. different world than that. I think things are changing for sure. Um, But, you know, finding ways within your daily life that you can kind of honor your energy more, you know, in that way, whether it's like, if you work from home, like maybe, maybe working from bed, right. Or just like something like that, that kind of like allows you to, to play with that and experiment with that and see like what feels good because also you have, so there are nine chakras, nine energy centers in human design, and you have only two defined. So you have a lot of openness. Like there are all these other areas that you're taking in and absorbing from others. So the only like two that are consistent are your spleen and your root. And so the root is all about, um, adrenaline, um, stress, uh, I, not anxiety in, in that sense, but it, it's pressure, right? It's root pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the only two that you have defined and they're just very, you know, like I said, the, the spleen, like the shadow side of the spleen is going to be like fear, right? It's going to be um, your, your health, right? That's the center that that is related to. And then the, the uh, root center, those shadows are going to be, yeah, stress, anxiety, um, then feel like you're not getting things done fast enough or so these are like, kind of, I don't want to say heavier energies, but they're, you know, they, their shadows can be intense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I heard a little bit of that, <laughs> something about fear in the spleen, mm-hmm. um, anxiety, stress, Yeah. I feel a lot of all of this. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's like really, I would say like, you know, those things are going to be like the shadow sides of of those two centers, you know, Um, the spleen is like, so when you have a defined spleen and that is your authority, it's very like um, allowing yourself to rest because often when you do feel sickness, you're it's beyond. So people who have that undefined, they may feel things leading up to an illness, right? Like they might feel a little tickle in their throat. They just kind of feel a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And that is really allows them to kind of like manage it ahead of time. Whereas typically people with mm-hmm. defined spleens don't necessarily feel it until it's like, it's full blown, right? Like, um, like I feel like, but also I will caveat by saying, if you're aware of your health and if you, cause I've really had to, you know, gosh, when I was younger, like I'm plant-based now, but when I was younger, I was eating meat, cheese, all these things. And I didn't really feel that I felt bad until I felt good. And then I realized how bad I felt, you know? So it was like, it like getting 
eating better, eating according to like Ayurveda, um, just having more holistic, organic lifestyle has allowed me to tap more into my body. So now when I feel out of balance, I feel it easier, but it took a little bit of practice to get there. And so that's kind of with that defined spleen, if we're not aware of it, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we really don't realize how bad we're feeling until it's like really bad. And then we'll kind of like, you know, be able to pull back and, and feel that, but. Yeah, I have this a lot, actually. Mm. And I always wonder, like, why didn't I realize that this was happening? You know, mm-hmm. like, um, when I lived in Madrid, um, I had a problem with my knee. And I remember it was it was hurting me a lot. But it, it wasn't enough for me to go to the doctor, mm. I guess. I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Um, and then my ex-boyfriend saw like I couldn't walk properly. <laughs> he was like, I'm taking you to the doctor. I'm like, it's fine. Like it's I don't fine. really feel it that bad. <laughs> you, know? you can't even walk. And they did an MRI and the doctor. Yeah. The doctor was like, what, why didn't you come earlier? Can't you feel the pain? Like yeah. your, your cartilage is gone. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I feel that I'm like, I'm a but runner. This is, but this is just like one example. Mm. It keeps happening to me with like not feeling it when mm-hmm. something like with my bladder. Right. Like, yeah every time it flares up, like, why didn't I catch it when it was here? Like, I'm always thinking like, it was like nothing, 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 nothing. Mm. And then it was just like terrible pain, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think like I think when you're there, yeah, that baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. It's, yeah. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. But I really think for you, like experimenting with that splenic response and really trying to you know, play with it when you, when you think that you feel it, or you think that you hear it, maybe just, you know, like listening to it and going with it and seeing what happens, you know? And I think the more that you kind of play with that, the more you experiment with it, the louder it will get to you, you know, because it's, it's, yeah, I think like, I think emotions and splenic authorities are kind of the two in my perspective from the things I've learned and the people I've talked to are kind of the two hardest ones. Cause like you have like sacral, um, authority, which is literally in the moment. It's like, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, it's like asking questions and people can kind of give you a yes or no, but like emotions never have clarity. You know, we're just kind of like going off of what feels the best over time. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. doing things right now. And then spleen is like, you have to be so in tune with your body and with that response to be able to pick up on it and kind of run with that. And like I said, it doesn't repeat itself. So it's literally just lets you know once, and it tends to be like, you'll have like fear-based questions, right? Like, um, you know, say we lived in the same city and I was like, Hey, I want to go get dinner tonight. You may be thinking, okay, well, if I leave at this time, can I get there? Or will there be an accident? What, you know what I mean? Like it's all these kind of like fear-based questions that may come up. Um, and I've heard like when there is nothing, when there is no like sort of fear-based questions, like maybe that's a no, right? Cause it's like, when you're asking those questions, it's because you want to do it. Right. So I don't know if that resonates. Like, again, I don't, I have, I have my spleen, my sacral and my emotion, my emotions defined. So I get all of these all at once. Um, and so the spleen is one I'm just, I'm really fascinated with. I'm always curious with people who do have splenic authority, what it feels like to them. So there's just kind of the things that I've heard from people, mm-hmm. but yeah, thinking about that. Okay. So you said that if, if I am asking fear-based questions then it means I likely want to do it. Yes. That's what I've understood. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically from the texts. Um, I, again, I know people have different relationships with the spleen, um, but that's kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, I, I mean, I, I read that like to follow your instinct and mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know what my instinct is because <laughs> I can't even feel like normal things. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, but also I, what I was questioning is like, are my instincts right in a sense that, you know, when you have trauma growing up, your instincts are not actually what they should mm-hmm. be. They're different because of yeah. survival. Mm-hmm. And so I never know if what I'm feeling is what I'm supposed to be feeling. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I completely resonate with that. I actually was, did like a meditation a few weeks ago, like two weeks ago, I think maybe. And I f- started feeling like this anxiety come up, come up. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, is this my intuition or is mm-hmm. this anxiety? And the response I got was like, if it's fear-based, it's not it's not your intuition, right? Cause our intuition is very soft and gentle and loving. And then anxiety is the thing that's going to make us like maybe see flashes of things, you know, or, or just kind of have that. So it's, it's interesting how that would relate to like the spleen because the spleen is the house of intuition, right. Within our mm-hmm. human design, um, chart. Um, but yeah, I think that's, 
I would just be, I would wonder from that perspective of saying like, you know, asking these fear-based questions, if something is like what you want to do, then that initial, it's like the initial response was maybe a yes, but now it's kind of all that fear-based stuff is coming up around it. Right. Mm -hmm. To kind of like question it. Cause if it's just like silence, you're not getting any sort of response, Mm -hmm. but then I think maybe it's coming, but I, yeah, I completely resonate with that. Like you said, it's, it's, you know, having that trauma, even when it's like, it's, it's almost like you're, yeah, your like gauge is off a little bit because you're so like mm-hmm. overthinking and you're so in tune to like your environment and, and the responses or the little nuances of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's, again, something to maybe play with. And I don't, if you do meditate, maybe like taking that through meditation or just like clearing the energy in your spleen, like maybe focusing on that. So you can kind of like understand what that means a little bit more, but I yeah. wish I had more advice on the spleen, <laughs> but it's um, definitely a, yeah, but one. it's interesting what you say. Like, if I'm asking the fear-based questions, it means it's likely that I want to do it because mm. I'm now scared of it, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, so the splenic um, sort of intuition you said is softer. Like, what do you know? Like, what would be the possibility of emotions you could feel in this instance? Emotions? Or what would, what could the intuition feel like? I mean, I ask this because, I mean, a lot of what I feel is fear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what abilities are. Yeah. I'm, I honestly don't know how best to answer that question. I think, um, yeah, because I don't have this as my soul definition, you know, I mean, in, in, in in your chart, like I said, it's literally the spleen at the root. So these are going to be, you know, that, that fear that anxiety, all of those are kind of, you know, the shadow sides of these centers that are going to be coming up a lot for you, you know, when you're, mm-hmm. when you're, you know, so experimenting with that, that spleen and, and I can send you some materials on the spleen too, that you can maybe just like read up on and, and maybe mm-hmm. get a better understanding of it. Cause I have, I have a lot of material. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I can send you some of that just to like get a better understanding of it. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's hard to, when you don't necessarily trust yourself in that sense, right. Then, and then when that is supposed to be your guiding force to make decisions and you're constantly questioning it, right. Like it is kind of living out of alignment because you're not, it it is confusing. And I, I, I resonate so much with that. And just like, for me, emotions, like I never trusted my emotions because the message was always like, don't feel you're too sensitive. You're too weak. You're this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other thing. Right. So it's like, how can I make decisions from an emotional space when I'm told not to be emotional? Right. And so like, it's the same with the spleen, like making decisions from this place, but then yet you feel fear and anxiety. And so it's how, how do you trust something that's coming from that energy? Yeah. You know? So it is like, it takes time, I think, to really just like play with it and experiment and try and understand what it means to you and, and how you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, as I've been working through a lot, I've been feeling less and less mm. fear. Yeah. And maybe I should start paying attention to this because then maybe it's telling me something else now. When I first, you know, tried human design, I think I was still very much stuck mm. um, in this state. Yeah. Um, it's the work in progress, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I think okay. if your anxiety, if you feel like you're better able to manage it now, yeah, I think that would be yeah. a great time to really tap into that and, and, and work with it to see what comes yeah. up. Yeah. I'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just starting small, you know what I mean? Like even like for me, trusting my intuition and trusting my emotions, it, it, it wasn't like I wasn't making decisions on like my career. Right. It was just like little things of like, you know, what do I want to do tomorrow? Or do I want to go to dinner to this place tonight? Or, you know what I mean? Like really coming from that space of just testing it with the small things so that when the big things came up, it became easier, you know, and I can mm-hmm. just be like, you know, for me, it's waiting for clarity. So it's like being able to say like, Hey, this feels really good right now, but like, let me sleep on it. Or I'll let you know in a little bit, or, um, you know, like last weekend, like when I re- asked to reschedule, cause like, I knew I wasn't in a space to emotionally show up in the way that I wanted to. And that's really hard. Cause I'm a huge people pleaser. Like, I don't like to let people down. I'm so afraid people are going to get mad at me, but coming back, you know, with practice, being able to honor myself and my emotions, I just, no, I wasn't in a space to be fully present, you know, and mm-hmm. being able to ask like, Hey, can we reschedule this? Can we do this next weekend? You know, that was like, for me, you know, that's just through practice, what I've come to understand. And, and you know, it, it works out. We overthink things in our head most of the time anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try to pay attention to that Mm. and yeah. And maybe also try to recognize when it is this pattern of not trusting myself. Yeah. Do you journal? 
Um, I did for a while. At the okay. moment, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, this this trust is self trust is really hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I wouldn't even drive because I don't trust myself in mm-hmm. my like freeze fight yeah. flight reactions. You know, yeah. like something loud. I'm just like oh, I don't want to be handling a vehicle. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So pivoting from that into, into like inward, I love that that is what you're doing and that is how you're helping. Cause I just think like, you know, for, even for you with the podcast, it's like all of my experiences and all of the things that I've dealt with, you know, that's what I'm bringing here to like share with others. It's like, I think that gives you such incredible insight and it puts you in such a unique space to like help others with that, because it's not like you're just, you know, you're not just like, Oh, I'm going to pick this thing to talk about and have no experience, obviously, you know? And I think, um, it's always those things the the things that are so hard for us, the things that we've worked so hard on are the things that we're supposed to teach, you know? And for me specifically, like using my voice was always so hard. I was really shy. I felt like I could never speak up, like talk about public speaking, literally public speaking in college. I blacked out. Like, I don't remember even being in that class, but like I got my transcript sent and I was like, oh my gosh, I took public speaking. <laughs> like it was so dramatic, but like, so I would love for you to talk about inward and how you help women, um, you know, what, what tools you give them, what exactly the program is. And, and then also where people can sign up, where they can contact you, um, you know, anything mm-hmm. that has to do with that, that that'll help. People. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a little bit about what we're doing, or let's say, let's maybe start with like how it came about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, when I started working on my own stuff and, you know, figuring things out myself and what I was going through, um, I was also very shy and didn't talk about a lot of things and, you know, a lot of stigma. Um, growing up, Indian family, everything, you know. But I started to talk about my experiences with other people and really open up about it, you know. And I realized that me talking to others helped them open it up about theirs. And people started telling me like everything, like things that they weren't even telling their therapists. And I was like, wow, this is so powerful. Like, how is it that they're telling me and they haven't told their parent, uh, therapists, right? And there's a lot to be said about vulnerability, right? And about, you know, being able to talk to someone where you feel like they understand, you know? And so, that's right, and therapy is a gold standard. Yeah, therapy is a gold standard, but there's a big supply problem when it comes to therapists. And so, you know, we looked at like the two parts of therapy that really work, right? And one is, you know, helping you learn about yourself, understand yourself, reflect like the metacognitive part, you know, doing all the CBT stuff as well, right? And this, you know, you, you get in a lot of apps, you know, but it, it's very helpful for you to understand yourself. And the other part is the relational aspect. Um, we talked about earlier how it's, you know, it's, emo- it's experiences that help you change, right? So it's not just about knowing stuff. It's about actually feeling it. And this happens with other human beings. When we talk to others, when we experience emotions with others, you know, basically also like, as I said earlier, being understood by another person, you know, feeling validated also by another person. And so this relationship part is important, this, this human aspect. And so we were like, okay, how do we scale this, right? And this is what we started testing. And this is where we, where we started, um, where we created Inward. And we're trying to create these um, therapeutic experiences between two people where they can work on a topic area together and learn to reflect together to actually, you know, talk about their issues with another human being who's also working on it. But, um, you know, we guide you through with, with text sort of that pops up on the screen in our video as well as audio. So you can do the exercise together. Um, And uh, we're doing it for different topic areas and we match the women. Uh, So it's it's with someone you don't know. Um, And yeah, so we, our website is joininward.com. So you can find us there and you can sign up there. And we are testing different programs or um, we did one last a couple months ago on imposter syndrome that we were running and now we're doing one on conscious relationships and um yeah all all to do around relationships let's say or getting into relationships also (laughs) so we were trying to focus on basically the pillars of life because you know what 
I realized is that, you know, depression is a downward spiral and it usually starts with us not being happy with some, some pillars of our lives, you know, and the two main ones are our relationships and work, right? And if you can learn how to manage these consciously, and it's not just like being happy as a blanket, because this is just takes work. It takes like your relationship takes work, right? Um, and just and learning about yourself in order to do these, you know, in order to be present and be conscious in these and be able to manage them yourself, right? And so this is where we're starting. So it's not for severe depression, um, like very severe issues. It's more earlier, let's say, along the scale. Mm. So more like preventative. Yeah. Preventative, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. But it still can be when you're like, you feel a little bit stuck, let's mm-hmm. say, and you feel like this is not really moving in your life, you can already do that before the downward spiral where like this doesn't even matter anymore. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who is maybe like starting this and has like trauma from from their past that they may not have been aware of, like that comes out, what, where's the, what like support can they get from you um, through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so we have screening to see, you know, where you're, how let's say how severe your issues are and if they are then we'll point you towards um therapist therapy you know help help lines and stuff but um you know we're not dealing with heavy um like say heavy trauma issues with what we're doing it's more just like the fact of the matter is most of us have experienced some sort of trauma, right? And it may or may not have come out already. We may realize it, but we're trying to like suppress it um, or or we don't. And yes, these things can come up, but uh, it's, you know, it'll come up slowly. It'll be more titrated rather than like, say, if you're taking a psychedelic and it all just comes out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is when you're working on specific things. We're asking specific questions, for example, like, you know, what are your values? What what values do you have in yourself that you want in, you know, your partner, for example? You know, this is this is not an area where, you know, we foresee there to be issues. But if there mm-hmm. are, then we have, you know, somewhere where you can contact. So we can put you in touch with our mm-hmm. therapist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I love that. I love the, I love that peer support aspect too, because, yeah, like you said, I think we just want to be seen. We want to be heard. And sometimes it's just feeling not so alone in what we're going through with somebody who is also like, I don't want to say on the same level as us, but like aligned in that sense is, is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, I realized whenever I had like really like when I was really deep into depression, like I just wanted to talk to somebody else mm-hmm. who would experience this, you know, mm-hmm. and though we're not dealing with depression, but it's something that sort of like carries forth whenever you hear other people's experiences um, or somebody who can empathize with you. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is like, you know, we, most of us have not been taught how to deal with our emotions, right? Growing up, mm-hmm. you know, in fact, it's the opposite. Like you said, like being told, like, don't be so sensitive, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> we're taught the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we would like to do with this is teach you sort of how to manage your, impo- uh, your emotions. So we're just trying to empower you to manage these pillars of your life. So we're giving you tools to be able to do that, but it's not therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. Cause yeah, we are not taught how to regulate our emotions. Yeah. You know, we're just taught to shut them down and like, that's it yeah. and move on. And so yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's really powerful. And then, you know, we can then take that for the next generation, you know, to empower exactly. them to just to, like, there should be a, a course or something in, in high school or elementary, you know, that just kind of like deals with that because there's not, and then we're just left to, to figure it out. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like, you know, like, we're not taught this at home. We're not taught this at school. And then like magically we should be able to like mm-hmm. function in society without having any yeah. issues. And if we do, it's like, Oh, what happened there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, even so just like to- you said, relating to our physical health, right. Then we have all these physical problems and we don't even think that it would be emotionally related, but then mm-hmm. it's like, once we can, which we can like process through that, it's amazing how much health wise we, we get better too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to start, right, you know, breaking sort of the cycle, if you can learn to empower yourself and, Mm -hmm. you know, manage your emotions and it's, you know, it's, it's a long journey, but 
you start feeling better like even like you said like with people pleasing i have a very similar problem like i also was not able to say no for so long right and you realize that these things really stress you out because mm-hmm. it wears you to the bone if you can't say no and you want to please other people then you're just going to work so hard all the time and burn out you know yeah. so this is just being comfortable within ourselves it's important yeah and it completely disconnects you from yourself right from the ability yeah. to trust yourself and to know yourself because it's like you do for everybody else but then it's like where am i in all of this mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely resonate sometimes you just don't feel like you feel like you don't deserve to be mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. taking yeah. care of keeping yeah. yourself you know absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. i that's like my journey and my healing too so i, I completely completely resonate but yeah Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, giving us your energy and your time to like talk about this. And if there's anything else you would like the listeners to know in closing, um, just let them know. And I will have all of your information linked in the show notes for them too. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, you're welcome.